following the preaching, we will ask the Lord to bless it in a word of prayer, and then we'll sing Psalter 401, 401, all the stanza. Dear congregation, children and young people too, who of us doesn't love the story of Zacchaeus? Many of us in our childhood learned the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. And he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. But really, the story is more about Jesus wanted to see Zacchaeus. And we'll find that out as we go further. May our familiarity with this text passage not keep us from hearing it afresh and benefiting from it maybe for a first time or else again. May we see and hear through the preaching on this text the seeking and saving voice of our Savior God who is out to save sinners, to seek and to save sinners as he did with Zacchaeus so long ago. Perhaps this sermon maybe is for someone who's searching and troubled among us even now, feeling so lost in some way or another. The theme for our sermon is Jesus coming to Zacchaeus' house. And we will think about three thoughts. We will see that this passage tells about a great story concerning the glorious Savior and giving gracious gospel indeed for us. We call it a great story and Luke's great story even because Luke, through careful research, came across this passage, this, this event Luke is one who, in the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke, he tells us he did a lot of careful research to find out different truths about Jesus the Savior when he was here on earth. And it's rather interesting to think about the many things that Luke alone tells us. Boy, when I get to heaven by God's grace, I'm going to thank Dr. Luke too for all his careful research. And the beautiful stories that we only find in the Gospel of Luke and that by the Holy Spirit are included in the Bible. Well, what's this great story about Zacchaeus? Let's get to some of the details. We are told the event happened in Jericho as Jesus was passing through the city. Now, I think our young people and our older ones, we should know that there's a Jericho in the Old Testament, isn't there? In the days of Joshua... And the walls came tumbling down when the Israelites walked around that city and it was destroyed. And the Lord at that time said, you can read it in Joshua, if anyone rebuilds that city, he'll be under a curse. And that exactly happened under King Ahab. Somebody tried to rebuild that city and two of his sons were killed in the process. You can read that in the Bible in Joshua 6.26 and 1 Kings 16.34. So what's this Jericho in the New Testament? Well, it's a new city. It's another city, yes, near the old city of, Jerusalem, of Jericho, but this is a new city just a short distance away from that old city, Jericho, with its city ruins. Especially, too, under the King Herod's in the New Testament era, this Jericho was built up and it became a very prosperous city and it was still in line with the busy trade route. And Herod had a palace there and it was... The, the royal winter resort for the, the, the leadership often at that time. 
And at the end of Luke 18, we read about then this Jesus coming near this New Testament city of Jericho. And that he meets there a certain blind man by the roadside, begging. Matthew mentions there were two blind people. We'll come back to that later. But how it makes sense, just, just thinking of this, how it makes sense that where there was wealth and riches and famous people in this new Jer- Jericho, well, in general, you could likely expect beggars there too, right? Now, the Bible's so consistent, congregation, with reality. Truly, it never tries to pull the wool over our eyes. So what's interesting to note here that we, as we learn about Zacchaeus also in this city of Jericho, what has told us about him? Something that is not mentioned anywhere else in all the Bible. He was not just a tax collector in Jericho, but he was a chief tax collector. You could say he was a superintendent of tax collectors. This means this Zacchaeus, he didn't really have to work at tax collecting himself so much anymore because he was high up the ladder. He collected off his workers. As one put it, Zacchaeus was very rich and settled for he was the kingpin of the Jewish tax cartel. He had made money off everybody else, working what was a most hated and despised trade in the Jewish society of that day. Tax collectors were considered by the Jews terrible traitors, working for their enemy, the Roman government, collecting taxes from the Jews for the Romans, and often cheating their own people in the process. If the tax was $10, they'd make it 12 so they themselves would pocket 2 They always would look for a bigger slice than even the Romans call for. And this may explain, too, why this Zacchaeus was very unpopular among the people. He was considered a thieving, traitorous tax collector and one who made it to the top of tax collectors. Nobody liked him. And for sure, no one would make room for that despised man when he wanted to get in the front line to see Jesus passing through Jericho. What else do we know about this Zacchaeus? Well, children, you know, and we already mentioned it, why he was what you might call a shorty, a shorty. Zacchaeus was a shrimp of a man, one of little stature, the text says. He was what you might call today vertically challenged. But we will find out this man was no pushover. In fact, his short size perhaps contributed to him being a very determined person and someone who eventually didn't care what people said about him or thought about him. We don't know many details of his life, really. But for sure, dear congregation, you agree with me. It would be mean to call him shorty and to say something like, Hey, shrimpy Zacchaeus. How we need congregation to be so careful in our treatment of others in life. Are you and I careful in this regard? How we speak of others? Are you prayerful and resolved not to hurt others with mean words or demeaning insults in any way? Yes, including with your siblings at home and with fellow church members, never mind those outside us. For sure, too, we know that we know, don't we, that 
the true measurement of a person is not in regards to their physical height or anything external about them. In the Bible, you, you know about King Saul. He was a head taller than most Israelites. He was a big, tall man. But what an empty-minded, foolish, evil man was he. Don't judge people by externals. As we will learn about Zacchaeus, though a little man, he, by God's grace, knew how to make a big apology. As one commentator well stated, do you know how to make a big apology? And though he was small in stature, when he was converted, he had deep pockets. Deep pockets. What I mean with that, he, he gave generously for others, didn't he? When it came to living in repentance and devotion to the Lord, when he was converted, you could tell with everything he had, it changed his whole life. We'll come more back to that later. Yes, I'm jumping ahead. So let's get back to the great story in our text passage. What more are we told about this Zacchaeus, this small-sized man who was a chief tax collector and filthy rich, not uprightly rich, filthy rich. We are told that hearing of Jesus in Jericho, he was very interested in meeting this rabbi. There was a curiosity in his mind and heart that made Zacchaeus want to see Jesus. You see, there was an emptiness and a, a sad hollowness in his life, regardless of what he all had. He knew he was missing something. And this Jesus somehow sparked his interest. But being short of stature, with such a crowd, with such a press of people around Jesus as Savior as he was passing by that way, there was no way this Zacchaeus would be able to see Jesus close up. No one would make room for him. So this rich man, distinguished in his own way, he did something not very normal, really. He ran ahead of the crowd in the direction that Jesus was going, and finding a sycamore tree by the roadside, he climbed in that tree. Now, sycamore trees, they have strong, large branches from the trunk at the bottom up. And so, those branches being very low down, it was rather easy for Zacchaeus to climb up that tree. For when Jesus would pass by, in our backyard, we have a tree that our grandkids, especially the younger ones, love to climb in. And then with the leaves in that tree, we kind of play hide-and-seek. They play hide-and-seek with Opa. Well, that's a little bit like this Zacchaeus. Although he was a full-grown man, you see. And he was hiding in that tree, as it were, sitting up there. Can you see him sitting in that tree? Running on ahead was not a gentleman thing to do. Nor climbing a tree, a matter of dignity, for a man his age and his wealth. But this Zacchaeus did, for you see, Jesus he so wanted to see. What happens next, I, I love it. Don't you too? Why, Jesus, when he gets near to the tree, we're told he looked up, and he saw that little man in that tree, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay or abide at your house. How did Jesus know this man's name? Why did Jesus say he must stay at his house? 
Jesus stated literally, it is necessary, it is necessary, as a matter of fact, Zacchaeus, in reference to my calling, even as Savior of sinners, that I come and visit and abide at your house now today. We will come back to this later too, but notice with me in this great story, as one put it, when Jesus stopped and called Zacchaeus by name, probably he practically fell out of the tree. Some think that Zacchaeus may have become born again and converted somewhere between the tree climb and the ground. When, as the text says, Zacchaeus made haste and came down and received Jesus joyfully. Jesus in love reaching out to this notorious and despised sinner Zacchaeus resulted in Zacchaeus responding in true faith and deep repentance and devotion virtually immediately. Probably rich Zacchaeus also hosted Jesus very well. Don't you think so too? However, the text mentions nothing about it. Instead, the text tells us, just following the text, how the observing Jews, both the common people and the leaders, the religious leaders, they all murmured. and They all complained, criticizing Jesus for so reaching out to this bad man, this chief tax collector, Zacchaeus. You see... They didn't understand how bad they were themselves. And they didn't understand Jesus' mission on earth. Something, by the way, that is Dr. Luke's main emphasis in his whole gospel account. How Jesus, as he himself said in verse 10, how Jesus has come as a son of man to seek and to save that which was lost. Yes, to save sinners, congregation, even the worst and the most hopeless and vile. This is why Jesus had to stay at Zacchaeus' place that day to explain the gospel to him and to tell the good news of deliverance from the guilt of sin and the power of sin and the punishment of sin all in and through him, the Savior who was on his way to give his life as crucified and risen Savior. The great story about the conversion of Zacchaeus' congregation makes most clear that Zacchaeus heartily and truly received Christ as only Savior and Lord that day. The text says, in fact, Zacchaeus received him joyfully, meaning he was eager to hear and to learn more from this Jesus, and he entrusted himself wholly to him. Notice he calls Jesus Lord in verse 8. Do you call Jesus Lord? Is he your master? When you're converted, he is. And as Jesus says elsewhere, by their fruits you shall know them, those who are truly converted. And notice the fruits in Zacchaeus' life, unmistakably, in his wholehearted expression and commitment of repentance. Not only, we're told, would he give half of his possessions away for the poor, but along with that, we're told, he would return four times over whatever in the past he stole from somebody or anybody with swindling, with fraud, with cheating, with overcharging, etc. Zacchaeus would, in this way, do even far more than the Old Testament civil laws had required. When you check some Old Testament references, like um, Leviticus 6, verse 5, and Numbers 5, verse 7, you would give one-fifth. You, you, would, you would repent of your sin, and you would give one-fifth back. One-fifth. He would give Way more, half, and then he, if he owed anybody, he would give them four times back. 
Well, we are told in verse 8 that Zacchaeus stood up giving this testimony. He stood up. He confessed his sin, and he stood up, probably so that all the house could hear, and now with Jesus there, and he, he made it right by God's grace with God. And what further makes clear Zacchaeus was truly converted is Jesus' own words in verse 9 in regards to this Zacchaeus. We're told Jesus, who as God himself knows the heart, also of each one of us here this morning, Jesus said, today salvation is come, is come to the house, to this house, because he, that Zacchaeus, is also a son of Abraham. And he's not saying here that Zacchaeus became a Jew, no, but that Zacchaeus became a believing Jew. Abraham is called in Romans 4, the father of believers. And Zacchaeus, this day, by Jesus' ministry, became part of the family of true believers by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Surely there was joy in heaven on earth and on earth with Zacchaeus' becoming that day a saved and truly converted man. So you see with me, don't you? It's a great story, the story about Jesus coming to Zacchaeus' house. And we can learn so much about it, about for ourselves too. And let's Let's do that further now, thinking of the glorious Savior proclaimed here in this text passage. This is Luke's goal, too, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to exalt Christ before us and to show us what a Savior of sinners we find in Jesus Christ for all who have ears to hear. I hope you have ears to hear this morning. Zacchaeus, he had a curiosity to know more about Jesus. But in in the end, do you agree with me? It wasn't, it wasn't what Zacchaeus did that brought him salvation. But it, it is what Jesus did and said. Even Zacchaeus' interest in Jesus was actually from Jesus. It was not Zacchaeus reaching out to Jesus, really, but Jesus reaching out to Zacchaeus that led to this notable sinner's wonderful salvation that day. Here, think with me of that song. Maybe you know that song that says... I sought the Lord, and afterward I knew. He moved my soul to seek Him, seeking me. It was not I that found Him, O Savior true. Oh no, but I was found of Thee. Yes, and as one gloriously put it, if ever congregation there was a soul sought and saved without having done anything to deserve it, it was that soul, that soul of Zacchaeus. Unasked for, Jesus passed through Jericho that day. Unasked for, the Lord stops and speaks to Zacchaeus. Unasked for, Jesus offers himself to be a guest in the house of a sinner like Zacchaeus. Unasked, Jesus sends into the heart of this lost, sinful chief tax collector the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit and puts him that very day among the children of God. It's all of God. And through him, and to him be the glory. Whenever a sinner is saved and whenever straying sinners come back and again come in the embrace of the Lord's love. That Zacchaeus' salvation was a work of God the Savior comes out to in Jesus insisting on this appointment with Zacchaeus. Authoritatively and you could say um, irresistibly insisting on coming to his house that day. You see, Jesus knew there was a lost sinner that God triune sovereignly would save that day in Jericho. And so it makes sense. Jesus knew his name even. 
For in a certain way, Jesus knew it from eternity already as one of those lost sinners whom God was determined to save. Well, notice what the Lord Jesus does. The Savior meets Zacchaeus where he was at. In all his bankruptcy, he had lots of money, but he was bankrupt spiritually. And the Savior comes to him and doesn't leave Zacchaeus the way he was. No. Jesus is a Savior who supplies us in our bankruptcy with all we need. Jesus' love and care for a sinner like Zacchaeus, it broke Zacchaeus. It broke his sinful hard heart. And in genuine repentance and true faith, he turned to the Lord and he became one of Jesus' devoted followers, even that day. And you know, the Lord came to visit Zacchaeus. Does he not come to visit us too? Is he not actually coming to visit us here this morning through the preached word? And when he visits us and we are touched and we are saved, those whom the Lord saves, he also transforms. He transforms us from from lost sinners to saved saints. He justifies us, sanctifies us. And the Lord, when he saves a sinner, always the result is that that sinner can no longer live in his or her sins as before. Instead, Instead, we become the new creatures with a new heart and a new outlook focused on on Christ and living for His honor and for His glory in all our ways. We're not like that by nature, but when we're saved, everything changes. Yes, the changes may come sometimes slowly, but they come. Our hearts are not the same as before. Here also something interesting to notice in our text reading about both the blind beggar from chapter 18, saved by Jesus, and this Zacchaeus, saved by Jesus in chapter 19. Can we not say both these men were saved by Jesus on the Jericho Road? On the Jericho Road. And interestingly, while the one was blind and the other had sight, yet they both wanted to see Jesus. And while the one was beggarly poor and the other filthy rich, Yet what they both so needed for salvation was something money couldn't buy that Jesus would freely offer them through his person and through his work as savior of sinners. It's an amazing gospel for all stripes and types of sinners. And what is so good congregation to realize is that while in the beggar's case of chapter 18, his faith in Christ is highlighted, in the case of this Zacchaeus in chapter 19, his repentance is emphasized. And putting the two together, can we not say, when people are truly saved, they meet with Jesus always through the word, and they are led in the way of true faith and genuine repentance before God and man. Not just once, but again and again and again and again and again, their whole life long. No one, no longer either wanting to live in any single sin before God and our neighbor. Is that true of you and me? You cannot live with any single sin before God and your neighbor. That's true of true Christians. And they confess their sins and get them cleared up and out of the way. And we praise God whenever that's the case, personally and in our church families and in the whole wide world. 
Let's realize too, congregation, you cannot have true faith without repentance, nor do you find true repentance without real faith. It may be helpful here too to, to, to mention that the example of Zacchaeus' repentance and what he did as a sign of repentance, that, that's not so much a prescription for us, but a, it's a description, a description of what true repentance looks like. I mean with that, we're not called to give half of our goods and then to repay someone we wronged uh, four times over. We're not necessarily called to do that. What is important to realize is that when there's true repentance, you're ready to give up all for God and good. And how that works in our lives, God applies that further. Take my life, Lord, and let it be wholly consecrated to thee for thy salvation, so rich and free, even for a miserable sinner like me. And Zacchaeus' ready and wholehearted repentance clearly flowed out of a believing, loving heart towards Jesus Christ. And he was empowered, in fact, we can say, by Jesus in him and with him as his Savior and Lord. And he was in no way trying to buy his favor, the favor of Jesus. But receiving that favor, he just had a heart overflowing in response. Well, wonderfully, congregation, all that we sinners need in first time coming to Christ and all the time following after Christ, we may receive out of his fullness, grace for grace. We don't need anything that God says you've got to get from yourself. You get it from him. And that's so wonderful about the Christian gospel. And it's, it's evident without a doubt, isn't it, in this great story with Zacchaeus' conversion, proclaiming the glorious Savior whom he met that happy day long ago. Congregation, the salvation and conversion of Zacchaeus by Jesus so proclaims for us that with Jesus Christ there is almighty power even to save the chief of sinners. Are you listening? Since Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost, what better illustration of this do we find than with this Zacchaeus and his conversion as told in our text? This wee little man was a mass of iniquity from head to toe, from heart to skin. But Jesus was ready and able to save him. With Dr. Luke including this story by the inspiration of the Spirit in his gospel account, we should know the Lord and Dr. Luke by the Lord wants all people to know There are no hopeless cases with Jesus, the Savior of sinners. No hopeless cases, do you hear? Jesus Christ has come to seek and to save the lost, even the most blind and the most ignorant and desperate and hardened and hopeless of sinners. And even in the preaching now, this morning, who knows who Jesus might draw by his Spirit to himself under his gospel word. With Zacchaeus' conversion, congregation, we are seeing something like, yeah, you know what we're seeing? We're seeing something like a camel passing through the eye of a needle. Jesus said that in Luke 18, that that it's, it's impossible almost for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's like him going through the eye of a needle. It's like, like a camel going through the eye of a needle. But 
In the next chapter, we're told about a rich man, a filthy rich man saved by Jesus. You see, with Jesus, all things are possible and nothing is impossible. Praise God for this true great story of a covetous, filthy, rich tax collector wonderfully, almightily transformed into a gracious, humble, generous Christian. Isn't it very encouraging, dear congregation, this great story of the glorious Savior of sinners as made known to us in Jesus Christ the Lord. Here we need to realize that this story of our text passage, yes, it took place even as Jesus was heading to Jerusalem. Yes, to lay down his life on sinners' behalf. Luke 19 later unfolds that more about Jesus' royal entry into Jerusalem for his ultimate mission of laying down his life, even to the death of the cross. Luke expands on this in the remaining chapters, how Jesus suffered so infinitely much, and he died on the cross as substitute for sinners, giving his life a ransom for many. Jesus would shed his blood, yes, also to atone for Zacchaeus, all Zacchaeus' sins and sinfulness. At the same time, Jesus offered up to God his perfect sinless life in spotless purity and righteousness before God on behalf of sinners, including Zacchaeus. Oh, the glorious Savior would stop at nothing to make full atonement for sin and provide the gift of free and full forgiveness of sins and everlasting righteousness before God and, on top of that, the promise of life eternal in glory. With Jesus' congregation, we have such an infinitely rich Savior for bankrupt sinners like us all, left to ourselves. Oh, how precious and powerful the words of Jesus further explaining the conversion of Zacchaeus, the great, glorious Savior of sinners, when he says, he's the one who's out to seek and to save sinners. Congregation, will you just think with me me about this? Imagine if Jesus only was out for always seeking sinners, but not also saving them. On the other hand, truly, Think of him if, on the other hand, he was only out to save sinners, but, but never out to seek sinners. Would there be any hope for any one of us if Jesus, as Savior of sinners, did only one or the other, but not both? I stand before you as one so thankful for the Savior who seeks sinners and saves sinners. I need both. I need such a Savior, both. Not just initially, but my whole life. You too? Zacchaeus, as a lost person, was spiritually dead and depraved in sin. And he needed a Savior who seeks and saves the lost. And as a saved person, Zacchaeus too had a heart desperately wicked by nature. And he needed a Savior all his life who would seek and save him till the last day. In the last day, won't all the redeemed in glory be ever praising God triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for serving in and through Christ as the Savior God who is both seeking and saving Savior of sinners. When have you stopped last to thank God for being both the seeking and the saving Savior? I mean, isn't the Lord Jesus on this same mission even now in this worship service here this morning under the preached word? 
Even more than you and I wanting to meet the Lord Jesus, did you know the Lord Jesus this morning desires to meet with you and with me here in this church building? He desires to draw near to us and to minister to us and to be a blessing to us. You know, even as children, drawing from Jesus in our text, when it says, when he says to the keys, today, this day salvation has come to this house, isn't it right to say in the covenant of grace with believers and their seed, the Lord is reaching out to you and me, even as little children, earnestly calling us to come to him. And he even uses our name in our baptism, calling us to trust and follow him and telling us everything we need. He'll give us as we look to him, this Savior, You will not be put to shame trusting Him. The Lord Jesus is looking now too and calling to you and to me to come down and to trust and follow Him, yes, joyfully, and to live in true faith and repentance as shown to us also in this whole episode with Zacchaeus. How very wrong and most wicked surely it would have been if Zacchaeus would not have welcomed Jesus in his own home that day. And likewise, how foolish and how evil for us, anyone here, not to listen to Jesus and his gospel call, to come to him, to trust and follow him from the days of your childhood. Will there be any among us who turn their backs on Jesus and not be interested in, in seeking and serving him above all, but, but rather more interested in the world and, and in the way of sin and Satan? But, but Zacchaeus had been there and done that. Don't, don't go that way. Don't let the crowds, don't let your own sinful heart, don't let the devil and the world keep you from Jesus. For he's calling to you and me even now to find life, true life, in him and in him alone. Here we come yet to our last point in connection with this great story of the glorious Savior giving really gracious gospel message. Are we not to learn from this story of Zacchaeus what you what you can have from the world, all that the world offers us, it can still leave you, and it does leave you still most miserable and a lost sinner. No different, really, than that beggar in chapter 18. And it seems that likely this filthy rich Zacchaeus was, was already getting something of this reality before Jesus came to Jericho. Because while he had so much of this world, Everything and more. Yet he apparently felt he was missing something so much better and greater. Perhaps he had heard from another tax collector mentioned in the Bible, Matthew, also called Levi, about Jesus giving him forgiveness of his sins and, and giving him peace of mind and heart before God and his neighbor. Or maybe, maybe he had heard about Jesus truly caring for all people, including the despised and the rejected in society. You can't help but think already Zacchaeus' basic curiosity to meet Jesus close up was already the beginnings of, of God drawing this lost man to himself. Congregation, whatever we all may have or not of this world's pleasures and treasures, do you not too realize, have you learned it already, the absolute emptiness and futility of life apart from God? 
apart from reconciliation with God in and through Jesus Christ and his abundant mercy and plenteous redemption in our lives. All of life is vanity of vanities and it brings death and eternal destruction. It's a matter of hopelessness and future without good promise, whatever. We need to be reconciled to God. It's the one thing most needful. But people are so slow to learn it, aren't they? And when we learned it, we're so quick to forget it, aren't we? And so the earnest gospel call to all is to come down from our lofty positions, whatever limbs of our own choosing we may be sitting on, and to hear the Savior's voice calling us to Him, repenting and believing on Him, even as He calls. How we need to take note here too in the text also about making haste to come down, Jesus says. Make haste and come down. And how Zacchaeus, by God's grace and spirit, also made haste and came down and received Jesus joyfully. Sometimes I wonder if raised in the covenant families, we forgot the word to make haste. We forgot the word to make haste. And instead we waste so many years in the way of sin and evil. Make haste to submit to Jesus' call. You'll never regret it. Oh, congregation responding to the gospel call and to the, the gospel word, it does not allow for delay. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Today is the day of salvation. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Well, are you one here this morning who gladly receives Jesus now? And trust and follow him as you hear of him in this great story about the glorious Savior with his gracious gospel message for all. Isn't the life of every true Christian one of once and again and again looking to Jesus? And won't every true believer testify, never am I disappointed seeking and serving the Savior in spirit and truth. And I always get messed up when I don't. We can be sure Zacchaeus was never disappointed, radically turning from sin and self and finding his all in all with Jesus the Savior. How good when as confessing believers and as godly covenant children and youth, it be unmistakably clear in our lives that we no longer want to live a sinful or double-minded life, but live, after all, all out for the Lord and in true love to God and our neighbor. Is that same true of you and me by God's grace and spirit? Seek Jesus truly and time and again, and you will find in and with him, the Savior, all you need and full and free salvation and true and growing sanctification till your last breath. Here, let's learn, by the way, from our text passage, what reasons always to pray for others and to be sensitive to others in pointing them to Jesus as we are given opportunity. I mean, no one in that crowd in Jericho that day would have thought Zacchaeus was someone searching and restless and someone who wanted to see Jesus. Let us not write off anyone as hopeless, but humbly and heartily live as those who confess to be Christians, true Christians, always seeking to drop a gospel seed in word or deed and spreaders of the gospel hope as the Lord gives us opportunity. And how many opportunities he gives us? And too many we let pass by, don't we? We never know who more the Lord will yet save. Even so, 
Let us each and all, congregation, receive and believe and treasure and promote in word and deed Luke's great story about the glorious Savior and the gracious gospel message it gives us through and through. For who Jesus was for Zacchaeus long ago, he's still out for sinners today. He's out to seek and to save the lost. If Luke preached this sermon, he would tell us that's exactly why he included the story of Zacchaeus in his gospel account and why, praise God, the Holy Spirit included it in the Holy Bible. May God bless this word that we too joyfully submit to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.